Ding dong, the witch is dead. Tracy, <laughs> I'm David Woods. Bruin Report Online, UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And we're coming to you with an emergency broadcast. Is that what this is? I, I don't know if emergency. That that doesn't really kind of capture the glee. Yeah, it's I more think. of a celebratory broadcast. Um, yeah. So, uh, celebratory. As yeah. Tracy reported late last night, uh, UCLA is officially, well, not officially, they haven't announced it. Not yet. officially. Not officially yet. Um, parting ways with Steve Alford, uh, men's basketball coach. Been five, five and a half, uh, beautiful years together. Um, but they are, uh, they are now going to be parting ways. Um, and it, before the the next game, so that's 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 news. That's news, Tracy. This is news. This is news. Um, how long have you been storing up that ding dong thing? Um, you know, it just kind of came to me this morning. You know, I was okay. like, you know what? That's that's the that's the soundtrack of today. I now, if we were really a professional podcast, mm-hmm. we'd have that music. <laughs> what do you mean? Do you mean that my 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 singing was not professional enough for you. Um, you know, I thought it was the soundtrack of the Wizard of Oz. I did, as you I, should, as you should, yeah. as you should. Yeah. You sing like a munchkin. <laughs> <laughs> I sing like a dwarf. Um. So okay. So this is um, not politically correct, but okay. No, like yeah. well, like right. a mythical dwarf, like a Tolkien okay. dwarf. There we go. Yeah. Nice. Um. So. <laughs> um. So this this is uh, obviously news that we were expecting. Um, just not now. Just not, we, maybe not immediately, but it was news that we were very much expecting here in, at some point in or immediately after Alford's uh, sixth season in Westwood. Yeah, very interesting how this kind of went down on Sunday. Um, essentially, I mean, UCLA kind of went into the day even after that performance against Liberty. Yeah, I liked your title too. What was it? Is it liberate? Is UCLA will, will, finally will liberated? This, will this get UCLA liberated? Ah! I guess when they beat anyone, they say you've been liberated, right? Uh, maybe that seems yeah. sure. Yeah. So UCLA's intention was was to keep him through the season. That's just kind of I don't know. There must be. There must be maybe a athletic director's uh, a job guide out there that they pass out informally or something, because you know they all. The intention is even if you want to fire someone, is you got to let them go through the whole season. Now they do that because they feel they want you know just from the optics standpoint, not only to the public and the media, but other coaching candidates. So it looks good that you gave the coach every opportunity to keep his job. Um, from a fan standpoint, that's just sometimes just, you know, who cares about the optics? What's best really for the program? And you started to get into a lot of details about why keeping him for the season would, would seriously damage the program. And I, I think on Sunday afternoon, enough donors um, express that feeling to uh, the UCLA administration. And I think it was kind of a little bit of a donor swell, yeah. donor groundswell. That kind of forced it. Uh, we, we had a, 
we had published some little excerpts from uh, an email that was planned that you said I had planned to go out on Sunday from Dan Guerrero, basically saying we're in the pro- you know I'm always in the process of evaluating our our programs, um, and that that was expected to go out you know sometime during the day, and then that got that got scuttled when this whole donor thing happened. Uh, so they decided not to send that out and went out to a few, uh, a few donors. Um, and they opted to start negotiating the buyout. And that's what happened Sunday. They negotiated. I think they reached an agreement on a buyout probably last, last night sometime. Um, I, I mean, he formally hasn't been fired yet, but everything else has been negotiated and done. So yeah, it's it's interesting the way the way this all the way it all went down. Um, really, a little bit surprising. Like for you, Dave, you you in the back of your mind, you didn't think they were going to pull the trigger, right? I mean, I was trying to do my part, Tracy. I, I saw that. I saw that. I was trying to do my you know my little my little piece. Um, but no, I, I thought. I thought there was a chance, basically going into the Liberty game, I thought they were going to win that game. And so I was thinking, oh, that they kind of missed the window if they were going to do it. Um, what I thought immediately after that Liberty game was the window just reopened for a little bit. If they do it right now, they can do it. But if they wait even a little bit again, then they can't. Um, so right. it was just kind of, when is the window of opportunity? Because it is like a PR thing. If you do it yeah. after splitting against Cal Stanford, that doesn't necessarily have the same. Um, it, it, it doesn't hit as hard as losing to Liberty by fifteen at home. Um, if there was going to be a window in the midseason, it was going to be right then, um, and I don't think there was going to be another opportunity. So it had to be right then if they were ever going to do it. So I don't know. I thought it was a possibility. I didn't think it was. Um, I didn't think it was a done deal for sure. Um, and it doesn't sound like UCLA thought it was a done deal at all um, until midday yesterday. So, uh, Do you think UCLA gets a little like tarmac-like blowback that, I mean... None, none. No hey, blowback hey, for this. Ha- Happy New Year, Steve. <laughs> no, I think, I think for once they got the timing exactly right. I think if they'd okay. done it after last year, they would have gotten some national media blowback. Um, still would have been justified, but they would have gotten some blowback. If they'd done it, you know, even after like Belmont this year, I think they would have gotten a little bit. But after Liberty, after losing four straight, after losing to both Belmont and Liberty at home, and everyone's been talking up the talent on this team, it seems like the general, I mean, I'm just putting my finger in the wind, but it seems like the general tone from the national media was, yeah, this was, this was justified. Like this was, this was totally long time coming. I don't think they're going to feel any blowback from the fan base whatsoever. I, I really do think it was nearly unanimous. Even the Island of the Misfit Toys, um, you know, basically everybody we've banned from Bro over time, I think they're all unanimous that this needed Are to happen. Are they? I haven't even looked. I have like two friends who send me screen caps from uh, these different Islands of Misfit Toys. And, <laughs> and the, the, the whole thing, I think, has become pretty much unanimous. He's got to go. And so... The fact that it happened now versus the end of the season, I don't think there's any PR hit. I think this gives this gives UCLA some running room to really start a coaching search where they're doing it in like I think even a completely above board ethical way where they don't feel like they're doing it with a coach in place. They, 
I think it gives them complete freedom to negotiate and start doing all that groundwork, which they need to do. Coaching uh, A coaching hire should not be a three-day process or whatever it was with basically Steve Alford. It should be a three-month process where you start talking to intermediaries and you start putting in a bunch of the groundwork and legwork early. Basically, essentially what they did with Chip Kelly. You know, they were talking, I mean, intermediaries were talking to his intermediaries for a long time. Um, right. So yeah. putting in that work, um, I think, can start now in earnest. And uh, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing for all parties. It gives Steve Alford probably a good amount of time to get his bearings and, and figure out what his next step is rather than just having it happen at the end of the season. Maybe he can get a job for next year. I mean, I think it's good for all parties to just end this now. So if you're a UCLA coach anytime in the future, hopefully not anytime in the, in the near future, and you're thinking you might be on the hot seat, you should just avoid all holidays and birthdays yes. pretty much. Mm-hmm. I mean, on, on New Year's, I mean, it will be on New Year's Eve. And Jim Mora was on his birthday. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, good things can happen on your birthday, too. Chip Kelly was hired on his birthday. True. That's very, very true. Okay. UCLA is just see, all about the big days. <laughs> it is. You got you to gotta pay attention to those birthdays and holidays when you're a UCLA coach. Yeah. I mean, um, so the, here's the thing. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the Steve Alford era before we get into the coaching stuff. Because I think we should... Because the tone is definitely different from us right now than it was after Howland was fired, and I think that should be acknowledged. Like, Howland, I think there were, like, a lot of still mixed and good feelings about the Howland era at the very end of it, right? Because you had... Well, there were three Final Fours. You I had mean, the Final Fours, good... but you also had, like... I mean, Howland had... He felt like a part of UCLA, I think, in a way that Alford never has. Um, you know, I think when you oh, talk absolutely, about, absolutely when when you're like assessing the the mythos of UCLA, obviously it's John Wooden, but I think Howland is a big part of that too. Like I think his sure. his era is going to count when you're talking about the history of UCLA. Alford's, I mean, what happened? Like what uh, what would you actually say? I'd say Lonzo Ball was a transformational player who was on a bad team, um, or not on a bad team, but on a on a disappointing team. Um, but that's the only real, like, positive thing I can think of from the last five and a half years. Yeah, I mean, you won't. Uh, you'll have a when when Ben left. Obviously, he was on a five-year kind of downward trend when he was fired. But you know, in the in the aftermath, a while later, you still remember the three Final Fours. You remember the win over Gonzaga. You know, you and and your feeling of Ben at UCLA was that he embraced the job, um, that he he you know really bought into the whole UCLA basketball you know mystique, and even just like the firing hasn't even happened formally, but you don't have any real positive takeaway from the Steve Alford era because there wasn't really consistently good basketball it was kind of when they did play well you could see it was because of Lonzo Ball or a random you know couple of game streak or they win the Pac-12 championship the Pac-12 tournament it was just it wasn't coming from you know a, a organically good coaching and then the thing that probably really leaves you with you know you know when you break up with a when you break up with someone it, like a year later you could say 
oh, wow, you know, yeah, we didn't get along, but wow, I really liked her. She's really cool. I mean, I still have a lot of respect for her. I loved her, Dave. I, I, I loved her. And then there's the other one that says, oh, crap, man, that, that no, don't, <laughs> don't have any good feelings for my relationship with that, with that girl. Yeah, that's kind of, and I don't, I, how you feel. and I don't feel like those feelings are going to develop over time. I think if, if you're going to say anything about Alford in a couple of years, maybe just maybe he left the roster in a good stance. Maybe he right. left it in a pretty good place for the next coach. If, if it's still there, if it's yeah. still there, if, if, you know, if they somehow can, it, the next coach can inherit, you know, 70 or 80% of this roster. That's, I think, uh, that's something you'll be able to say positively. You know, they did right. not, he did not create a recruiting the way that end era Howland did or end era Lavin did. So that's something we'll, we'll say that. See, and even with Lavin, you came away with kind of the same feeling about the on-court performance. But then, you know, you see Lavin on TV He's now. He's an endearing don't you, knucklehead. Don't you kind of go, yeah. aw. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a, a former a former player of his said to me, uh, Steve Lavin, when you needed a guy to coach your team, he's not the guy. When you needed the guy to to uh, plan your bachelor party, he's your man. <laughs> you know what I think? I think they should bring Labs back because the interim. <laughs> oh my god, that would be that would be so beautiful. That would I, be would, awesome. I would absolutely enjoy that. <laughs> Honestly, I think he would get them playing pretty well. Like I think they'd be excited to play because like that wasn't like ungenuine what I wrote. They don't look like they're having fun at all. And it's it's sad to watch. One of my top ten. Uh, I'm I'm digressing on Steve Lavin. One of my top ten moments uh, doing this job. And and if I say that a lot, I probably have about fifty top ten moments. But and Lavin is right there with a lot of them. Man, you know, there's the exercise bike <laughs> incident. Um, so you know, there. Uh, you know, I can't even get in to to Steve Lavin, but probably the best one. I was there. It was Billy Witz, Frank Burleson, and myself, where we went to the Steve Lavin, you know, the weekly media uh, day um, availability. He's saying all the right stuff. They weren't, I can't even remember who they were, who they had played, but it was kind of one of those lulls. And the athletic director, Pete Dallas, was sitting in the back. A lot of times, you know, little administrators sit in the back and listen. Um, he leaves. Steve Lavin finishes. He leaves. Pete Dallas is there. And we were the only three uh, that were left. Billy, Frank, and myself. And, we, and Pete's sitting there talking to us. So we start asking him, like, you know, are you considering, you know, re replacing Steve Lavin? And he just blatantly told us that he had been in conversations with Rick Pitino's people. <laughs> That's awesome. So then we get, I mean, we're looking at each other going, is he really saying this to us right now? This is just amazing. And I can still see him. He's leaned back in his chair, feet up on one of the desks, and he's just talking. You know, and we're saying, you know, Pete, we just want to make sure this is on the record. He's, oh, yeah, of course. So we gather all this information. Then we went down to Polly. And they have their practice. And then afterward, we get a little, we got like five minutes with Lavin, and we all asked him, did you know that Pete Dallas has been in contact with, with Rick Pitino's representatives? And he, he was stunned. He, I mean, he tried to cover, but it, 
when it comes to media, you talk to coaches and they all, they all ramble and coach speak and you don't, but every once in a while you get like a nugget day like that, which, which was pretty funny. I came dry. I remember driving home from Houston LA that day. I was just still like kind of, you know, in disbelief that that had happened. So okay. Keep going. Sorry. Digression. No, um, it was great. Um, yeah. So, I might do that a few times with Steve Lavin over yeah. the next few. Well, I just, yeah. I, that would be so, so many. I would, I, I would, should do, we should do one where I just tell Steve Lavin stories. Yeah. Well, you should write that book someday. Hey, you know what you should do right now? Maybe should we tell a story about, about Ben Hallen? Because you do the voice better than I do. Um, is it the you're fired one? Yeah. At the, at the, uh, it was at the banquet when he had been fired and they still had the banquet. Right. He so he's, he's talking to staffers at the, at the banquet. And I, I think, I don't know if he was, a, I don't know if he'd like, you know, been celebrating a little bit with the people but at the banquet. Whatever. Yeah, let's not even go there. Yeah. 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 But he's, he's talking to everyone, all these staffers who are remaining at UCLA and he's just going, and you get to stay and you get to stay. But I'm fired. And he's just talking to all these guys who are like, you know, low-level staffers. Like, they don't they, – they, they have some role here, but not a big role. And he's just like, you get to stay, and you get to stay, but I'm fired. And it's just – it's just Ben. Oh, God. I, I Right now, I, I'm, I'm laughing in my soul because I love that voice. I, just, I love Ben's voice, and I love you doing Ben's voice. Uh, I because I'm picturing I, Ben with a big red beard. I can't do it as well as I used to. I, I haven't heard Ben in a long time. It's sad. Um, yeah, all right, that is so, so we got to talk um, the next coach because that's the, the main reason. Okay. listening yeah. to this piece of garbage right now. Um, so, okay, so with Alford gone, um, uh, so I'm just going to say it right here. Anybody or nearly anybody, I mean, obviously there's a few out there who would be worse, but anybody would be better than what we are currently experiencing with UCLA basketball. So just stipulate that up front. It doesn't, yeah, okay, anybody would be an improvement. We all agree. That said, we can still qualitatively analyze the remaining candidates and say who would be best, who would be fine, and who would not be so great. Um, I think that's that's what we should do here. Obviously, we're writing things like I wrote that that coach's hot board. Did you notice that sucker got up at like at about midnight last night? Yeah. That thing just doesn't write itself there, people. Um, and that that's more objective. But now in our little broadcast here, we can talk about guys we like, guys we don't like, yep. and guys we're indifferent to. So, yeah. So my number one, like the guy that you make every attempt to get, and if you land him, you like – sing songs of praise immediately afterwards uh is tony bennett and that's that's i think that's my clear number one and i don't think there's a realistic one who's like on the same level for me i think that's just it wow i thought you were going for andy enfield but okay i, I get it i get it i get it um because i don't think billy donovan's realistic i mean i know we include him on the hot board because i think everyone would love to have him um but we're including him on the hot board because from what i heard there's going to be uh, some attempt to see if yeah. if that can happen because I mean the 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 attitude at UCLA is hey we got we got Chip Kelly and we got Chip Kelly not only a lot of not only because of the timing and luck but also because we we have money now we got a facility now we've got all these things that will 
that could attract a big name, high profile coach. So they're thinking, hey, worked with Chip, let's take a shot with Billy Donovan. And I think there have been enough indications over the last couple of years from Billy Donovan's kind of people that he would be interested. The problem is not, you know, a, a little bit of hubris possibly uh, that, that because it happened with Chip Kelly, it can happen with Billy Donovan. Most coaches in their representatives early on in negotiating for a, I, I mean, every coach is going to through, you know, sources, backwater sources, back channel, backwater are going to say, yeah, he, he's interested in the job. We've seen it happen. There have been some, I mean, even beyond just initial conversation, we've seen some big-name coaches in football and basketball express interest in the UCLA job to ultimately really, you know, come to the conclusion that they weren't going to go there. So I, my personal opinion is that's the way it will go with Billy Donovan is the more traditional way. But you never know. I mean, you got to give, you got to say the facilities are pretty nice. Um, I, I, you know, they do have money from from donors to, you know, make it worthwhile for a big name coach to come there. What they're doing for Chip Kelly and his football program, I mean, he has carte blanche to do what he wants and they are funding it. And, you know, they don't like, UCLA doesn't like it out there that they're, you know, they get donor money. But you see that big building that says Casey Wasserman on it? They they get donor money. So uh, they're, I think it's more possible that they get Billy Donovan than ever, but I still think it's a long shot. Yeah, I, I, it does not pass any logical smell test for me. So it, that's, that's where I am. It's just, it's... Uh, Re-upped at Oklahoma City. He went to the NBA for a reason. Uh, that that one's that one's tricky for me. So well, okay. I want to talk a little bit about that because I find it really interesting. There has been a lot of talk. Just if you just search that Billy Donovan doesn't necessarily get along well with. I, I don't. I, I don't know if it's the owner of the Thunder or the general manager. Or if that's to say, I don't know the inner workings of the Oklahoma City Thunder, but. I, I, there could, from what I've heard before, is that he's not absolutely satisfied with that job and the administration there is, doesn't get along with him. So that discord, I'm just getting everyone really excited about Billy Donovan, aren't I, right now? Mm-hmm. Should I back away from that? Yeah, I, 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 this one, I, I mean, I, I get it. I get all that stuff. Real hard time seeing that. Okay. Because it's one thing to get Chip Kelly, who's out of a job. It's another thing to get somebody who has an NBA head coaching job. Like I just that one's that one's tough for me. Yeah. But okay. but Tony Bennett, Tony that one Bennett. you can talk me into. Because that one, you're talking about Virginia, which is who I mean, from a recruiting standpoint, it's maybe the fourth or fifth, even with the way he's won their uh, draw in the ACC. Mm, I'd say maybe with him there. Yeah, e- even with what he has done there, even with all of that, it's still fourth or fifth. Yeah, um, It's a hard place to recruit to when you've got Duke and North Carolina by themselves, uh, but the ACC is stacked across the board. You look across the way at UCLA, though, um, you're basically competing with Arizona, and uh, the league is significantly easier to compete and dominate. And he's dominating the ACC right now with uh, lesser talent. Um, 
it depends on what what he's interested in. Um, if he, uh, you know, there's stuff about him that he likes the small town feel. He likes the community. He's been there. Do you do you realize he's been there like almost ten years now? Yeah, yeah. That's when stunning. I started, you know, it's really strange when I when I when I did the coaches hot board. How long some of these coaches have been at certain places just stunned me. I, I'm all, oh my god, where does where does time go? How how long? How many years do you think? Uh, skipping ahead, how many years do you think J- Jamie Dixon was at Pitt? Oh, jeez, that's got to be so 2003. To... No, 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 you're 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 not doing it on gut feel. Right now, you're adding it up. Just oh, I would I would have thought a decade, but it's clearly more than that. 10, 11, 12, 13 years. That's crazy. Yeah, it feels like we lost time. And I think that's what we will call the Steve Alford era, the lost time. Because I'm, I was like, oh, yeah, Tony Bennett's been at Virginia for like six years, right? Like six, something like that. When you do your postmortem, there's your, there's your story title. Yeah, you know, the, the Steve Alford era, lost time. Yes. Um, <laughs> it, was a, it was a time leap. Um, so, yeah, Tony Bennett, I think, so that's all like why he might come. I, I, I don't feel like I need to make the argument for him as a coach, but if you still need it made um, – He's dominated the ACC, the best basketball league in the country and has been for years. He's dominating it um, with talent that's like mid-tier in that league. Um, he does. He has a slowdown style, um, plays a pack line defense, um, plays a very deliberate offense, but it's really efficient and good. Um, the way I would call, the way I would describe it is he's, Ben Howland, but without the baggage. Um, and if you well, get that, yeah, I, I didn't know Ben. I wouldn't call Ben baggage without the the grumpiness. Without without the idiosyncrasies. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's who he is, and the idiosyncrasies are part of what uh, ultimately sunk Howland at UCLA. And if you get well, that without the the issues. Um, yeah, that'd be good. I, I would have taken that for 20 years with Ben Howland, so I'll, I'll take it for 20 with Tony one, Bennett. One more Howland story. One time I, I wrote that his gruff personality, he called me like a few days later and said, hey, I said, yeah, what's going on? He goes, uh, you think I'm gruff? <laughs> did not did not know himself very well. I said, yeah. I go, coach, I think you're gruff. He's a huh. And he was legitimately hurt that that's how his personality was described. Oh, man. Um, I also want to say this about, about Mr. Bennett. Um, he's an excellent coach. Uh, we have never seen him coach at a place where he can get really high level talent. Um, when he was at Washington State, he 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 did this slow down uh, uh, approach that this style of play to try to win there. When you when you're playing against more talented teams, I mean, you know, more talented teams. The basic theory is that you get more possessions. You, that's why this whole run up and down thing has happened. <laughs> you know, this AU style ball is when you have more talented teams, you want more possessions. And over the course of more possessions, you have more talent, you're going to win more often than not. When you don't have the talent, you want to limit possessions. 
And I think that's what his approach was at Washington State. Then he gets the job at Virginia. He's never going to get the talent at Virginia to play competitively uh, on talent-wise with the other teams in the ACC. It's just not going to happen. And once he started establishing a winning a winning approach at Virginia, he couldn't really downshift into playing like North Carolina. For one thing, people want to go to play for him. And he's getting the kind of kid – it just would have been impossible. You, if he came to UCLA, I think he'd be different. I think he'd still play you know, a great, fundamentally sound defense. But I think his offense would open up. I, I'm not saying that you know <laughs> he's scoring in the hundreds. But I think his offense would open up because I think he, knew, he would know that he'd have to do that. Yeah. And one other thing, too, irony alert. Uh, Richie McKay, the head coach at Liberty. Well, you know, got to give him a little credit for, you know, making all this happen. Yeah. You, oh, yeah. Is a longtime Tony Bennett cohort. I mean, he was his assistant coach for a long time. And those guys are close. So that's Tony Bennett wanted the job. So he sent Richie McKay out there to beat the Bruins. That's right. Thing. That's right. He was, uh, he, he was, he was, he was his, uh, his hitman. Um, so, so I, and even if he does play this style, let's just go straight. Let's not even. Yeah, oh, that's my. what I was just gonna say. If he plays this style, I don't care. It'll be awesome. They'll be whatever. They'll be a top fifteen team every single year. They'll make a deep tournament run every I don't know three or four years. They'll win the conference every other year. It'll be awesome. That'll be and great. Then, and then UCLA will have an identity. It won't be just the same run and gun that every other team now, not every other, I'd say three quarters of the teams out there, that's how they play. They'll have UCLA. Well, it had an identity under Ben Howland. Uh, you're very into identities. I know Greg Hicks is very into identity and I get it. And if you want to stamp an identity on the program, so in recruiting, you might not, if, if Tony Ben were at UCLA, you might not get, the spoiled diva top five recruit in the country, but you're going to get, you're going to get some talent that says, you know what? I want to go be coached because I want to get to the league and, and I want to learn how to play basketball. When Ben Halland, you remember this when, when all of Ben Halland's players went to the NBA, I remember listening like to the NBA uh, uh, camps you know, just some random game in one of the camps, and the commentators would be saying, "Wow, those UCLA players under Ben Allen really know how to play." Yeah, they, I mean, they are fundamentally sound. Look how they sweep that ball below their knee. Just everything. That's Tracy, what I think kids will want to do. Tracy, right? so in 13 years as a head coach at Virginia and Washington State, how many years has Tony Bennett had where he hasn't had a top 10 defense? In adjusted defense on Ken Palm. 13 years. In 13 years, how many years has he not had a top 10 defense? Four. And we're, we're including Washington State because he had, when he was first at Washington State, didn't he have two years where he lost or at least one? No. Oh, okay. Four. <laughs> okay. Four out of 13 years he has, had, he has not uh, had a top 10 defense. And I bet those four aren't bad either. No. Well, the first two Virginia years weren't great. And then the other two were 25 and 16. 
And what people get is you can play that defense, but still, and but still play a a very exciting form of offense. Well, the, you know? the thing is, he's also, I mean, he's an efficient offensive coach. It's this, it's again, it's the same thing as Howland. I mean, Howland's offenses were already always pretty efficient. They just weren't very pretty. Um, well, I can say this: Ben isn't a great offensive coach. Um, I, from what I know of Tony Bennett, he can coach offense. He's just doing what he needs to do to win. And I think he'll do that at UCLA too. But man, having that stamp, that ID, that identification that you, you know, you know what, it's kind of interesting. It will kind of mirror what Chip Kelly's doing in football that, you know, we want the kids who are going to come here to work hard, buy in all business, learn how to play football and and you know not not the divas. It, it would kind of mirror Chip Kelly. That's that's kind of interesting. So if you want to stamp an identification on both of its programs, there you go. Yeah. All right. So I, I think we're both on board with Tony Bennett um, in a huge way. Like I I would do the whole walking on broken glass, you know, through flames, whatever. That, that I I think the thing we have to bring up whether he's on board. Um, yeah. I've heard. I've I, I've heard that he's he's pretty happy where he is. Um, this could be like a Chris Peterson type of thing, you know. He's a lifestyle guy, Charlottesville. I've ever been there, except for some recent incidents in our history. It's a pretty nice place. Um, so I don't know. It'll be very interesting to see if he would if he has any interest in in the job at all. You'd have to think. Being at Virginia this long, getting those number one seeds in the tournament last year, getting <laughs> the fr- I never wanted to mention this, but I'm gonna. I, I guess I have to. That you know, first time in NCAA history that a number sixteen seed beat a number one seed. Mm-hmm. That all has to get to him and think. I I just have to upgrade the talent to get over. I'm I'm doing all I can at Virginia, pretty much. And if I went to UCLA, I'd I'd be able to get over that hump. Yeah. So you're hoping he's thinking that. Yeah, I agree. Um. All right. So the the so I think Billy Donovan, Tony Bennett, we're both on board with them making big runs at them. I don't think Donovan's realistic, but I, I, you have to make that call. You you just have to. Um. The other ones. Once you get past that, it we're into essentially like the second tier guys, and I think there's a lot of really good candidates in there. Um, I think Jamie Dixon is definitely a guy who can win here. Um, my guy is Kevin Keats. We talked about that extensively last podcast. Um, I, I'm kind of fine with a lot of different guys. I think I think um, Keats and uh, Don and uh, and Dixon, and then probably throw Chris Beard just from a coaching standpoint in there. I think all three of those guys are, you know, they would clearly win here, um, and they'd be great. And I think Keats, for me, probably has the most upside, just because you look at that. To win at high school, and then win at low major, and then win at high major, that's that's three different things you're doing there, and that indicates to me that he's a pretty good teacher, um, and pretty adaptable uh, to his situation. Um, and I love that he's patino tree. Um, that makes me think he's probably a very, very good recruiter as well. So um, he's probably my most upside. What, if you if you're saying if you're stipulating that Bennett and Donovan both say no, who's your pick? 
Oh, it's not even close. It's Jamie Dixon all the way. Um, he has, he checks all the boxes as we've been saying. Um, he has proven over a very long period of time that he's a winner. He got it done at Pittsburgh. Then Pittsburgh made that, that decision to, uh, to, I'm sorry, to move to the ACC, which Pittsburgh and the ACC, I, I, I don't even know the decision, the decision making that went into that, but I don't, that's not a good move for them. Um, and he still won and he still got to the NCAA tournament in two of the three years when he was there, when they were in the ACC goes to TCU, goes to his alma mater, turns around that program, uh, you know, and is having a great year this year. He's a proven winner. He does it with Howland style defense because he is a disciple of Howland. Um, and now is playing. I watched them probably about a month ago and I like their offense. I, I like the way they execute. They can get out and run. They'll, they'll score in transition, but man, they execute a great tough offense with a lot of screens, which, Actually, which I I've, love. I've got a stat for you. You ready for this one? Yeah. All right. So in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 years as a head coach, how many times has Jamie Dixon not had a top 40 offense in offensive efficiency on Ken Palm? Three times. Once. Wow. 2010. Every other year, they've had a top 40 offense. It's not always super elite, but he's had... Uh, this year, they're the 32nd. Last year, they were ninth. Um, they've been top 20, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 times in 16 years uh, under Jamie Dixon at Pittsburgh and TCU. Um, up-tempo? No, but not as slow as Tony Bennett. It's, it is more Howland-esque. They are running... They run when they can, um, and they're mostly a, a half-court team, but they run when they can, you know, off of turnovers and that sort of deal. Defensively, actually, not as strong a coach as, as Howland. Not, not putting together those super elite years, but pretty offensively efficient, pretty defensively efficient. Um, you're, getting, you're getting a solidly above-average to good coach, who I think at, we've talked about extensively. At UCLA, that's kind of all you need. I mean, he, he, he'll, yeah. he'll be good. His winning percentage at Pittsburgh and TCU, not two you know well-known basketball programs, is seven eighteen. That's better than what Steve Alford did at UCLA. Yeah. So <laughs> you do this at Pittsburgh and TCU. He's going. He's going to win, and he's a good coach. And as we've always said, if you know if you're going to go for the splashy hire, they better be a very good coach. Because to win at UCLA, all you need is a good coach and a good recruiter, and you you will win. It's not like football. You all you have to do is bring in three guys a year, and there's plenty of recruits out there, and it's a lot easier to recruit to UCLA basketball than UCLA football. Yeah. Um, Jamie is from Southern California. He went I, to the same high school as Greg Hicks for a while. I don't think they played on the same team. I think Greg transferred to. Where did Greg go? He transferred to Van Nuys. Oh, he's just I... one of those constant transfers, just trying to find playing time. Sounds oh, like absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that's all Hicks what cared a clown. about. Yeah, what a clown. Um, 
he'd be very I mean one of the things that one of the consistent themes that goes throughout the um the coaches board is is there a fish out of water syndrome which is something you really have to consider in a lot of ways because if a coach is going to be happy long term in his job when there are going to be lulls in your performance and in how the media and the fans like you if you're happy where you are you, you'll get through those lulls pretty well if you're not that's just one thing that piles on that says ah i don't want to be here i hate this job yeah so he knows southern california he's from here he's comfortable he has a bunch of recruiting ties out of here he knows all the aau coaches he goes back literally 20 years I'll tell you, here's here's the key to UCLA basketball history. Ben Howland gets hired from Pittsburgh. Jamie Dixon was his top assistant. Jamie was coming with Ben. He was absolutely coming with him. When Pitt pivoted, they looked for other for other candidates as a coach, but then kind of struck out initially and didn't want to wait, you know, a few weeks to make a decision. So they hired Jamie who had no prior head coaching experience. He was one of the guys, I'd say him and Kerry Keating, who were strong enough personalities as a Ben Hallen assistant to call out Ben, say, nope, we're not doing that, Ben. That's wrong. You don't know what you're talking about there. We're going to do this. And or just do it the way they wanted and not even tell Ben. <laughs> I mean, I think the whole history, I think Jamie would have, he would have kept Ben on track. Ben would have had probably a different uh, result overall at UCLA. Jamie probably would have gone to a mid-major out there and then come back and been UCLA's coach after Ben. Yeah. Oh, okay. the alternate world. Um, yeah. So, I like alternate worlds. All right, so I'm, I'm fine with Dixon or Keats, and then I want to just – Shout out, Chris Beard. I don't think this one is going to end up happening, mostly because I think there's prob. I mean, this is just me completely speculating. I think there's probably going to be some elements who don't want another guy from the night tree um, after Alford. Um, and Chris Beard is definitely a you know Bobby Knight, uh, Pat Knight disciple. Um, he's doing phenomenal work at Texas Tech. Um, that actually is a hard place to coach, unlike Iowa State. Um, and they've got, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, they've got, uh, they had top, their top 10 Texas tech this year in Ken Palm. They were top 11 last year, 41 his first year. And he also was pretty damn good at Arkansas little rock in his one year there. Uh, coaches, great defense. Um, again, slow tempo coach, but coaches, great defense. They're number he was one. described to me as an assist from an assistant coach who I've known 20 something years who knows everyone in the business, he said he's a defensive savant. That's what he, how he described him. Number one in adjusted defense on Ken Palm right now. They were number four last year. Um, yeah, number they, one in deficient, defensive efficiency, yeah. too. Not Ken Palm, the other stat place. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I, I, again, I don't know how realistic that one is. I think that one's probably less so than even Keats, um, just because I, I – I could see him having the same maybe reservations about coming out west to LA and also the fact that he's a night tree guy might just make him, you know, I, you know, how sometimes 
elements around UCLA can get sensitive about those sorts of things, like narrative and all those sorts of things. I think that one might be. And, and they bit. take things a little bit maybe too seriously that really don't pertain. Right. And, and I think that this is one of those things that they might take seriously that doesn't pertain, but will for whatever And reason. it's just not UCLA. It's all athletic departments. This is yeah, it's everybody. It's everybody. Everybody gets a little bit sensitive and weird. Okay. So those are my, that's my group of like five. I think once you get beyond that, you're getting into kind of wishy-washy territory. But you wouldn't wish- be happy like with Cincinnati's McCronin. No, I'm not a big Cronin fan. Um, okay. If you look, like I had the impression that he's only been there a, like a short while. Nope. My guy has been there since 2007, um, and they've yep. been like good-ish for that entire time. But they're not like breaking through. Last year was really the first time they had a truly elite season. And again, Cincinnati is not an impossible place to win. It's not like you're doing this at, it's not like the, 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 I don't know, I don't even know what a good equivalent would be. It's not like winning at like Northern Arizona or Pitt before it had a history. It's, Cincinnati's a good job. Like Bob Huggins won there. To me though, I know, know, know what you're saying, but it's also, the test to me is watch a couple of games. And I think you know what you're looking at when you watch a basketball game. I think I know. I watch Cincinnati. They play good basketball. I, I like their style of play. I, I think they play hard. They're aggressive. I, yeah. I like their defense. I, I, I like how they play. They get after it, too, those guys. Um, it, it, not in pure style, but just in their toughness and physicality and how hard they play. They remind me of Howland's teams in the first five years. That's kind of what you're feeling when you watch those guys. You go, man, that guy's big, and man, that guy's a tough ass when yeah. you watch them play. Yeah. So I, I'd still be fine with him. So I'm going, I'm going deeper than you on, on fine, on happy. Well, okay. so I'm, so I should, I should clarify those first three. So that's Dixon. Um, my order is probably Keats, then Dixon, then Beard. Um, okay. I would be ecstatic with those three. Like, I think that would be like complete. That's ecstatic territory. Right. So Tony Bennett is, I'm singing like songs of praise and like becoming, you know, some spiritual leader because of it. Um, the next three are, oh, wow, that's awesome. Um, and then it's fine. Mick Cronin, fine. That's fine. Whatever. That's great. He'll be a good coach. He'll do fine here. Um, the ones that I'm, so Mick Cronin is in that list for me. Um, let's and see. Beard is in that list too, or he's Beard is Beard is in the I'm ecstatic because I think he's a phenomenal oh, okay. coach. Um, okay. Okay. So, all right, let's go through your list real quick. Um, I'm ecstatic. I'm Tony Bennett, Jamie Dixon. That's ecstatic. I would almost throw a beeline in there. It's just I don't think he has more than five years left of coaching. Um, yeah, and you got to build he's, I think he's that level of coach, but it's just you're only getting five years, and then you have to do this again. Sure. Um, so that's the reason I wouldn't be, but I think he'd be a great hire too. Um, Greg Marshall, and, I, yeah. you just hear so much noise that he's got – like just baggage galore, but I still look at his teams and I'm like, they're pretty damn good. His baggage from what I hear is different than other baggage. His, he's just really difficult in like a Ben Hallen kind of way. Kind of, let's just throw it under the heading of gruff, just difficult within an athletic department to deal with. And there are plenty of people still in the athletic department who were there when Ben was there and, that's kind of a non-starter if you compare them personality, any coach to Ben Halland. There are people in the athletic department, nope, not dealing with that again. So more than like off the court, like red flags, can't, wouldn't get through a vetting kind of thing, I think it's more of that. Got it. 
Um, so I, I would be, I would be in the fine category with him. Um, so the ones that I would be a little bit cautious of, um, this is maybe where we can get a little bit interesting. I'd be cautious of Fred Hoiberg. Um, mostly because, and I I alluded to this up top, Iowa state is not that difficult of a job. I, I know you think of it, you're like, Oh, Iowa state, it's garbage, but go look at what coaches have been able to do there. Tim Floyd won there. Larry Stacey won there. The guy who's there now is winning there. Um, Hoiberg did well there, but it's not that impossible to do well there. Then he flamed out in the NBA. He really doesn't have that long of a resume. I mean, we're talking, he's been a head coach five years at Iowa State and what was it, two years in the NBA. Um, And he doesn't, he's not known for coaching defense. We're talking about a guy who's probably going to be a better offensive coach than Alford, but uh, I'm not seeing a whole lot of defensive commitment out of any of his teams, um, not in college and certainly not in the NBA, where they were rated, I think, one of the worst teams in the NBA in defense. And again, that's a different thing, but when you compare it to a guy like Keats, who won at the high school level, low major level, and high major level, and then you look at Hoiberg, who won pretty good at the high major and then didn't win in the NBA, I'm failing to see the resume there. All I'm seeing is people rating him highly because Iowa State got a couple of three seeds that they didn't do a whole lot with and um, some NBA team who are generally sometimes and not always known for their decision making uh, picked him to be their head coach and then fired him. That was, to me, that was one of the strangest hires. I mean, maybe there's something we don't know that the Chicago Bulls owner at the time, you know, uh, or you know, Hoiberg had pictures of him. I don't know. I, I, why was that hire made? Yeah, I that never, was, I don't remember. It was out of the blue. Um, he to me, okay, we're checking boxes, right? If we're looking at resume and college, I mean, he never won the Big Twelve. He went to the Sweet Sixteen one time. Um, I, I and as you said, Iowa State. That's not Oregon State. Iowa State, you, you can win there in, in the Big 12 at Iowa State. Uh, and then you'd have to say he didn't do well with the Chicago Bulls. Um, looking at his, like if you analyze how he played, it is all offense. I, I mean, it is, it's all about offense and it is not a, it's not a style that really emphasizes defense. And whether, let's say we'd get a good version of Steve Alford you know, a better defense, maybe a better offense, and maybe, you know, let's say a, a, a higher, a better uh, human being, I guess. I don't want to kick him on as he's going out the door. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I'm just, I don't want that anymore. I'm, I'm tired of that. I, I, I want them to play well on both, on both sides of the court. Yeah. So no, no box check there, and then recruiting no box checked. I've heard from some people that, He's he's considered a decent recruiter, but if he came to UCLA, he it would be all about his assistant coaches. He'd have to get two great recruiting assistant coaches, and he'd have to get a great defensive coach. And he would be able to manage the job that he's a he's a good job manager. He's a good like you know head of a figurehead, but it would all. I don't want a coach that it's going to depend on who he who he hires as his assistant coach. 
then what but as I wrote and as we as everyone has heard, he is a Casey Wasserman client. I think that's why we're hearing so much about his name. Why, you know, that was the first name we heard when, you know, national writers were talking about hot seat. So I, I it will be interesting to see how much how much smoke comes from this, from the Fred Hoiberg name over the next couple of months. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, and I, I, I think I'm, again, I think if they hired him, I think he'd do fine here um, because I do think he's probably a better offensive coach than Alford, but I think they can do better. I think there are a lot of guys on your list alone who are significantly higher upside. Um, right. So, and then um, other names that we should just, Talk about Kristoviak, uh, Larry Kristoviak at, at Utah. Um, I think he's a good coach. Um, they haven't uh, they haven't had a good couple of years at Utah, um, but which is I, I don't know if I, I don't know if he's going to be hireable in the like even top ten candidates for UCLA. Like I think they're going to have to miss on a ton to get to him. Um, yeah, but I, if I agree. But if you're prioritizing West Coast and and having you know, some familiarity with the region and that whole thing. I mean, I think you can do a lot worse um, than Kristoviak. I'd, I'd be, I'd be on board with that. I think they would, I think he would win plenty of games here. Um, who else we got? Uh, oh, and another one, you just cannot hire Earl Watson. Um, and I don't think they will, but you can't hire Earl Watson. He's got to go. If, if look, he was well thought of before he got that disastrous stint in the NBA. Um, a lot of people were talking about him as an up and coming assistant, and he still has that to him. Um, but you have to go get another job first. You've got to go go be either a mid major coach somewhere, go back to the NBA and be an assistant, do something else, like go be something else for like five to ten years, and then maybe the next time this is open you can have a longer conversation about whether Earl Watson is a fit because I think everyone he, loves Earl. Uh, yeah. And he just has to have some success as a head coach. Yeah. That's it. That's it. There, there's no reason way he would even be on this list if he weren't, exactly. you know, an ex UCLA player that doesn't, shouldn't qualify you. That could qualify a lot of people. Then he right. needs a resume where he has proven he can coach and he hasn't yet. It would be a great, I, I mean, believe me, there's, no one who would want this to happen more because everyone knows about Earl, what kind of player he was, what kind of person he is. He's a hard worker. He's a gritty. He has all the mental makeup, but that doesn't mean he can coach. So, so I, you know, I feel bad about that. The other one that is Eric Musselman. Um, when I originally wrote that there could be some red flags with Eric Musselman, man, I got and, – and all I was reporting was that I had heard this from various, various sources that he might not pat, pass a vetting uh, procedure process. I, wow, I, I got my head bit off on the forum and I had to keep reminding people, I'm just relaying information. Yeah. You know, I don't personally hate the guy, but I've heard that it would be very difficult for him to get through a vetting process and I'm not going to elaborate on why. I, I think everyone's just going to have to accept that. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he does, but... I've heard enough initially from UCLA that he probably almost certainly wouldn't be on their list. Uh, Mike Bray, the Notre Dame head coach, uh, Jeff Goodman already put out, I think he tweeted or something that Mike Bray probably wouldn't be interested in the job. <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't want it anyway. 
Well, uh, I'm going to put out a release that I'm not interested in the job. We are posturing there. I mean, uh, he's an Under Armour guy. He's a he's a good guy. He's a nice guy. He's actually a decent coach. And maybe he's like a fallback. Option. Yeah, they could do a lot worse than Mike Bray. A lot worse. I think a UCLA, a Mike Bray coached UCLA team would be a good one. It'd be a good program. But that was my favorite. That yeah, he's you know he he's probably not interested. In How old job. is Mike Bray? He's one of those guys who never like looks super old. Um, but he's got to be he's got to be sixty now, right? Yeah, he he's fifty nine. Fifty nine. Yeah. So he's not. He's also another guy that um, maybe not like Beeline. He's probably got a few more years because Beeline, I think, is sixty-five. But again, you're you're hiring with the intention that you're probably going to have to hire again within I don't know six to eight years. It would be great to just hire. I mean, and that's just realistic in college basketball these days. But if you're hiring Tony Bennett, you're probably thinking you're done for fifteen years. Yeah, and that's that's know, a good feeling. You know the actor John Pankow. I don't he was think on. So. You don't know him? You probably don't. Do you ever see the show? He's one of those guys that's on so many shows. He's an older guy. He is like a Mike Bray lookalike. Hang on. You got to look him up. John Pankow. He used to to be on Mad About You. He was on episodes. He was in The Secret of My Success. He's in so many little dopey. Sure. He looks familiar. Yeah. He's – okay, sorry. I got one. uh, That's like – I've got that facial recognition software that just keeps. He's going he's on. got a bit of a six head. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So sorry, I you were talking. I heard Tony Bennett. You mentioned Tony. Yeah, Bennett. I'm just yeah. going to keep talking about Tony Bennett until they hire him or they don't. Um, yeah. So Mike Bray, that would be fine too. I think the like honestly, the one I'm coalescing around as not being like. The one I'm most because it sounds like the one that maybe more elements in the uh, UCLA community are, are coalescing behind. It, it's my like natural contrarianness to respond to it, but Hoiberg is the one I'm like really not wanting now um, because I just I there's there's a lot there that strikes me as potentially not just like oh he'd be fine, but also potentially mediocre. Um, and yeah, but there's nothing like. There's no, there's not a coach on this list, in my opinion, that would would generate the kind of feeling you had when UCLA was going after Brad Stevens, and it, and we all, I remember that week vividly, and it, and they missed, and then I heard they were pivoting to a, a big name, and then two days later, it was like on a Thursday, I found out that that was Steve Alford. Yeah, there's no Alford on this list. I was in disbelief, thinking. That can't be right. There must be someone else. <laughs> yeah, there's no Alfred on this list. Yeah. So. Um, and then, I mean, you know, as soon as everyone on Bro hears this, or, you know, Tracy, Dave, what about Jay Wright? <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm, so I, I'm only talking, like, pretty realistically. Um, Dave, what about Mark Few? <laughs> um I mean, what about Mark Few, actually? Well, let's just say this. You would leave Villanova and Gonzaga if you thought that you couldn't win at the highest level. Yeah. How many championships has Jay Wright won at Villanova? Is he at two or three now? He's at two. And yeah. where's, what's Mark, where's Mark Few well, That's ranked? why Few is the only interesting <laughs> one for me because 
he gets them highly ranked every year, but they haven't yet been able to break through. But the thing yeah, is, he's also not having any team. trouble really recruiting there now. I mean, yeah. he's getting – he has two different avenues, but he's getting he gets you know some foreign guys occasionally, and he also gets transfers a lot. And, the, I mean, he doesn't really just seem to have a talent acquisition problem. Maybe it's a little bit tougher there than it is at UCLA, but he's still able to do it. So – it would be it would be if he thought that he just couldn't break through there, but they made what they were in the championship game two years ago. I think he's I think he's uh, creating good enough teams every year yeah. in Gonzaga, Gonzaga to compete for a national champ. That's what they want to do is compete for a national championship. Yeah, so that one, I, yeah, I don't no think way. he has any reason. The only reason for him to come to UCLA is to block what other other coach is going to come to UCLA and start it rolling and become the premier program on the West Coast and overshadow him. Yeah. Yeah, and that <laughs> and would that's be not that would be some reason. that would be some real crazy Machiavellian crap right there. <laughs> Mark Few likes to fly fish. And yeah. Don't we all? Yeah. I haven't done it in so many years and it was like one of the most religious experiences of my life, but yeah. yeah all right, well, I've got um, nothing else, and i got to go. What do you got? Okay. You got anything else? No. And, you know, they might call Chris Mack, Archie Miller, say, hey, how do you feel about leaving Louisville and Indiana after about 10 minutes? Yeah, and that's the other thing is the timing this year, not great. Like, even when you're talking about Kevin Keats, he's only been at NC State two years. I'm going to disagree. A couple of uh, – there were times when Jamie Dixon wasn't the right guy because – Maybe he had gone to that ACC with Pitt, hadn't turned around TC. Remember a couple of years ago when we were talking about that Steve Alford might be replaced, Jamie Dixon had just moved to TCU, and we were thinking, ah, his resume won't get him. He was coming off kind of a little bit of downturn when Pitt went to the ACC, and then he was at TCU. So I think Tony Bennett, that has to be good timing. You just lost in the number 16 seat, right? That has to be good timing. Jamie Dixon, I think, is good timing. Kevin Keats, not perfect, but I don't think that bad because he's been there two years, right? And, yeah. uh, I mean, NC State fans won't want to hear this, but that's a that's kind of a jumping-off program pretty much. So, I don't know. I think there's a lot of guys who are kind of – in compared to other years, I think there are more guys that might be available given their situations than in previous years. Yeah. Okay. And then and maybe Billy Donovan, probably. Like I've written before, I think the timing – I think a, there was an element to this that they didn't necessarily want to pull the trigger on Steve Alford before because of the timing of Billy Donovan. And it's not ideal now, but it's it's better than maybe it was before. <laughs> yeah. So, Or not better, but at least not worse. So – yeah, I don't know. I like the list. Like you said, there are enough guys on here. Let's say they missed on a bunch of guys and they had to take Chris Beard. I'm I'm pretty happy with that. I mean, would Chris Beard really turn he's making one and a half million dollars and he's in Lubbock? Yeah. I mean, he he'd snatch up this job, right? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm full I'm I'm always BBSing. That's what I do. Okay, I got it. Yeah, I understand. All but right, a good list. It's a good list. It's a good right? list. It's a good list. It's exciting times. It's a new day. It's morning. It's morning in Westwood, as John yes. Wellner tweeted. 